I want to preach today a message called The Relentless Expectation of Good. The Relentless Expectation of Good. Bible teaches God is immutable. It means he's unchanging in his nature. He, he is perfect. He never lies. He's always faithful. He is love. He's abounding in love. He's immense in love. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's wise. He's kind. And the most beautiful thing about all of that perfection in balance is that he will never change. He cannot be unfaithful. He will not be unloving. He is not unkind ever. Always just, always true, always faithful. And his kingdom is an eternal kingdom because it's based on his nature, which never changes. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his kingdom, the Bible says. Fundamental core character attributes are what his kingdom rests on. His kingdom is eternal because he's unchanging in his nature. God never moves from his beauty. Now, sometimes life is fun and rich and enjoyable and easy. And in those moments, it's easy to say, God is good. Amen. It's like a tip of the acknowledgement to life and to the Lord. But times sometimes are really tough and hard. And you're under pressure to survive, let alone have fun. And it's harder in those moments to acknowledge God is good. God is upright when my circumstances are upside down and brutal. And we've been talking and we will talk today about this expectation of goodness from God. But it's a simple truth that many, many people do not <clears throat> look to the Lord with eyes of expectation of good. Many people look to the Lord with eyes of suspicion, with eyes of bitterness, with anger towards Him, with suspicion. And we're looking at a response to the Lord that <clears throat> requires a faith that will allow us to see beyond what our natural eyes can see. We spoke last week about the truth that God is the God who calls things that do not exist as though they do. Because when you believe what he says, they manifest. That's how God creates everything. And so there is a future in the next few months for you that God has, only God can see, but you can see it if you choose to believe it. And if you believe what he says about your future, you co-create with him and you can walk into exactly the thing that he's promised, which your eyes will not yet see. And nobody around you will see or celebrate it because it does not yet exist. But he is the God who calls those things that do not exist as though they do. And he has a dream for you, which is to prosper you and to bless you and to give you hope and a future that can't be cut off. That's what he said. That's my dreams for you. And so the, the, the challenge is to get the church to turn their hearts and their minds and to look at God with a steady, relentless expectation of good. Because the journeys that you're going to go through towards your promised land are going to require you to learn to listen to God's voice. This is what God did to Israel. <clears throat> he took them on a road through a desert and they had no food and they had no water. And so they became hungry and thirsty. And they, they got to a stage where they started to go, and what is going on, Moses? And Moses said, I don't know, let me ask the Lord. And the Lord said, oh, Moses just hit the rock and water come out. 
And the Lord said to Israel, I brought you this way and I allowed you to hunger and thirst in order for you to learn this lesson that you are not going to live by bread alone, but you are going to live because I speak. Every word comes out of my mouth. I want you to learn to listen to me and not just stare at your circumstances. Hello? And this, the lesson is the same for you. You do not live by bread alone, but you'll live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And God is trying to get his church a shake off the lethargy, shake off the unbelief, wake up a little and look with eyes of expectation and begin to listen for God's word and take him at his word and step into a future that he's calling that your eyes can't see. Because in the absence of us doing that, we're stuck in the natural realm and we're going to float down the river with the rest of the world into heartbreak city. You need great and accurate expectations. Amen? So let me take you to Psalm 27 because David wrote this psalm and he's uh, in a tough set of circumstances. This is not a psalm that is written at the height of David's joy because we're going to get to this thing where he, he, uh, he has a great expectation of God's goodness. And you'd say, oh, that's because he's prospering. No, he's in dire straits. So let me read you from just a few selected pieces of the psalm up until the, the, the verse we're going to leave on to. But I want you to get a sense that this is what's going on in David's life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The implication is there are a few people around me I, I'm worried about. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, then, even then I'll be confident. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe from his, in his dwelling, and my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. Do not reject me or forsake me, my God. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. That's his reality. And then verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is a, a fascinating verse, this verse 13, because David, it's an interesting construct in the Hebrew. David basically leaves, it's halfway through the sentence. He doesn't finish the sentence. He goes, if I don't believe in the goodness of God, and the sentence just ends there. The implication is, all of this other stuff that I've been talking about, it would have all engulfed me. So various uh, translations fill in the implied statement. The sentence just ends. But it doesn't make sense if they just translate just the, in, in literally. So, so you have all these, unless, uh, it says, uh, I would have perished, one version says, or, or they would have destroyed me. Or I would have perished by their sayings. Or the enemies would have had dominion over me unless I had believed. David said, look, I want you to understand. I have this relentless belief that I will see God's goodness to me. In the land of the living, not in a sweet by and by, right now. 
I'm going to see God's goodness in this life. And if I didn't have that perspective, if I had not believed that truth, all of this would have been too much for me. I would have been destroyed. I would have perished. They would have had rule over me unless I had this as a bedrock fundamental belief. I would have perished unless I had believed that I'd see God's goodness in the land of the living. And may I suggest, your spiritual life will not fare well unless you settle this issue in your heart. Basically, David's saying, look, I'm surrounded. I'm brought low. I've got a lot of problems. I've got a lot of enemies. And they are surrounding me with evil intent. And if I had not had this confident expectation of God's goodness, I would have caved under that pressure. I know some people, I've walked with some people who've been through hard, hard times. And the thing that has held them is this perspective. God is good and I'm going to see his goodness. Now, I know within the sound of my voice there's some people who are going through really, really tough times. And I'm aware that speaking about God's goodness while you're going through the tough time is a hard thing for you to hear. But medicine is not always the tastiest. The thing that is going to heal you and help you and change your life and actually put a resolve in you and ignite hope and joy and peace in the middle of the toughness of what you're going through is what I'm going to speak about today. The combat of the relentless pressure is the expectation of God's goodness. The answer to relentless pressure and hard times is a relentless expectation of God's goodness. The Living Bible says, I am expecting the Lord to rescue me again so that once again I will see his goodness to me here in the land of the living. So here's the crux. Without a settled knowledge of God's goodness, our lives are going to be poorer for it and in danger. Taste and see that the Lord is good, is what the scripture says. Peter says, crave pure spiritual milk now that you've tasted the Lord's goodness. There is something that the Lord invites us to. Come on, have a taste. You don't know what you're missing. Mm -mm. Bill Johnson said in his book, God is Good, it is impossible for us to create a concept of what he is like that is greater than what he really is. He is either greater than we can understand, perceive, describe, or imagine, or he is not God. We are. Neither can we exaggerate his goodness. We can twist it, pervert it, dilute it, misrepresent it. But one thing we cannot do is exaggerate the goodness of God. Now this, uh, as we said, gets murky. It gets harder to believe when we're facing problems in life and adversity and trial. Is this God punishing me? Perhaps this is God's discipline of me? Is this the enemy attacking me? Is this life just bumping me? Is this just random? And so people get confused in the middle of this, and what they tend to do is they sort of back off an expectation of good from God, because maybe God's ticked with me. 
Now I'm hoping if you're part of our church and you've heard the gospel, you've understood the gospel, you know that because of Jesus Christ and the perfection of his finished work on the cross that all of the wrath of God against you was absorbed in him. Every curse that was meant for you was taken by him. Every sin that was accrued to you was put on him. The punishment that brought you peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes you've been healed. I'm assuming that you get that. But sometimes the legacy of legalism will hang around believers, and if you're not careful, it'll jump back on you. So I'm just reminding you of these truths. I'm assuming you remember that the powerful work of the cross, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. God has completely accepted you in Christ Jesus, and from the time you were born again, he only ever views you in Christ, which means that he's wholly satisfied with you. That's why there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. I'm just assuming you remembered all that. (laughs) So we can do away with God is angry with me and punishing me. If you're in Christ, God's anger and punishment for you and your sin and your shame and your brokenness was put on him. So by your faith, you can put on the righteousness of God and the relationship that Jesus has with his father and the peace that he deserved. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And the peace that he earned is given freely to us. Makes you want to love Jesus, doesn't it? Well, isn't it wrong to just only expect goodness from God? Because, Greg, I want to tell you, I've had some bad stuff. And, 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 you know, it's just horrible. Surely some of my sins qualify me for Jesus' wrath. No, the Bible says God has qualified you to an inheritance. You guys are so sluggish to say amen. I feel like I have to preach this again. (laughs) Colossians says, God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom of light. If, If God the Father qualified you to share in the inheritance of Jesus, I think he's satisfied with the finished work of Jesus. He's not waiting for you to do more. Don't be silly. Serve Jesus. Wow, Greg, well, what about the disciplines of God? The Bible says God disciplines us. Yes, God's discipline is proof of his love. For, for every father disciplines his child, but he's not beating you up. Well, what about the world? The world will treat me poorly and harshly. Yeah. It's remarkable to me that when you ask God's people to expect that God would be good to them, it offends religious people. It's amazing. Religious people cannot handle when you say, God is always good. It just sticks in their crawl. So in hope to cut through some of the mist and some of the confusion, and, and I'm going to try and thread a needle, hopefully today, to just have a look at what Jesus said we should expect, what expectations we should have of different environments. Because the Bible says, and I'm pretty clear about this, is the the expectation that we should have of God is always ever only for good. So let's talk about what we should expect from the world. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. If you're in me, you can have peace, Jesus said. If you're living in the world, 
uh, in this world, you will have trouble. I want to frame your expectations. Some of you love the world. And Jesus said, the world will give you trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But people go, oh, you know, Jesus said in this world we'll have trouble. You know, he said, but I have overcome the world. And in me, you can have peace. Now, you have to have an accurate expectation. Amen. You have to have accurate expectations. Some people go, oh, the world is just so beautiful. No, the world is unjust and horrible and mean-spirited and unfair and brutal and harsh, especially to believers. Paul promised if you want to live a godly life, you will suffer persecution. Why? Because you're going to show the world up and it doesn't like that. In this world, you're going to have trouble. So when you have an expectation of the world, don't go in, oh, this is so wonderful. Go in, oh. There's a line here somewhere. Be a little wary. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. How do you think sheep among wolves look? A little alert. Let me show you some graphs. Because I, I, I had hundreds of scriptures. But I just want to show you some of the things that I think Jesus said. This is what the New Testament says you can expect from the world. Let me put it up. Disgrace, affliction, mistreatment, trials, suffering. Well, oh, that's not such a good list, Greg. Well, I'm just telling you, Jesus said that's what's happening. This is what happens in the world. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Well, well, I don't think... So some people say, oh, you preach a prosperity gospel. No, I don't. I say, look, that's what's going to happen. That's not... I'm saying in this world... There's beauty and kindnesses, but there's also that for believers. It continues. Calamity, testing, tribulation, hardships, loss. I could, I could go on. Jesus said, look, when you're thinking about the world, the Greek word cosmos is mostly used in the New Testament, and it has a negative connotation. It's not celebrated. It's not like, oh, this is so beautiful. It's, this is a dangerous place. It's ruled by the prince of the air. It's bound over to sin. It's not the most beautiful place. That's why there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, because this one is born and broken by sin. So when you are trying to walk out a righteous life, trying to honor the Lord, trying to be good and loving and kind, in this world, you are going to have trouble, Jesus said. But I'm going to be right there with you every step of the way. I'll never leave you or forsake you. You can call on me at any time. You can use the authority in Jesus' name. You can stand with the rest of the body of Christ. I'm going to put people around you. They're going to encourage you and stand with you. That's why, that's why being part of a body of Christ is so important. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But I'm going to give you brothers and sisters to stand with you and to pray with you and to encourage you. And, it'll, and, and you'll come through and it'll be full. And in the process of the pressure that this world will put on you, I'm going to burnish you as bronze and you're going to shine like stars as you hold out the word of truth. That's what the Bible says. Now, people go, oh, we should just huddle up. No, 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 go and live your life, but just don't have a weird expectation. In this world, which is given over to sin, there's going to be some pressures on you. What should we expect from the enemy? 
Jesus said. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The implied, but I came that you can have life in abundance. He wants to take everything from you. What should you expect from the enemy? Well, I, we just have a detente. He doesn't bother me, and I don't bother him. No, he is intent on your destruction. That's what you should expect from the enemy. But Jesus said, but if you submit to me and you resist him, he'll run screaming from you. We should hunker down, Greg. No, we should stand firm in our faith and resist him. Let me give you a graph. The enemy is called the serpent, the great dragon, the wolf, the devouring lion, the sower of weeds, a murderer, a father of lies, the god of this age. Oh, I love this. this can I just, uh, let me just rant for a few minutes. Every generation, and I haven't, I've been being loud for many, but every generation, you know, like 18, 19, 20, hits college and then starts to learn some stuff, and then they go, you old folks messed up. But our generation, with all our technology, we are going to fix the whole thing. We are going to get it right. The God of this age, there's always an age, our age. You know, we're not like those old folk who messed up. Our age, we, with our new whiz-bang. It's called the tempter. It's called the evil one. We could go on. I'm just trying to give you a little taste of when it comes to the world, expect trouble. When it comes to the enemy, expect destruction, Jesus said. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So you go into the world with, your, with alert, be alert. Because in this world, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. So be alert. We're not naive. We're walking in, we're alert, we're watching things. Oh, there's the enemy. Resist him. In the name of Jesus, Father, I submit myself to you, but I rebuke that thing. Yes. Right? There's authority there. Jesus didn't leave you helpless. He said, I'll give you authority. I'll be with you. I'll give you my name. At that name, every knee must bow. So, no, no, I'm not taking that, but you have to be alert. What do you expect from the Lord? James 1, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father. <laughs> everyone. Everyone. Every good gift comes from the Father. The Father never gave a bad gift. Ever in his life. He gave prophets. He gave his word. And he gave his son. And he gave his spirit. Now he's given the church. God sends gifts. Every good and perfect gift is from him. What should you expect from the Lord? You should expect goodness. Oh, I could have gone 500 ways with this. Let me just go quickly through this. God, he's called God in a bunch of places, and the king. He's called, 
the, the, God, the God of everything. You know what God implied? The implication of that he calls himself God is that he has mastery over everything. He created everything. He existed before everything. Everything revolves around him. Everything is sustained by him. He has all authority, all power, all wisdom, all knowledge. God. And the king. He has absolute command. He's mighty over everything. He's good. Oh, there's scriptures everywhere. And he's holy. You know, the holiness of God is such a beautiful thing because it means he's not controlled by error or impurity. He's never moved by something that's evil. He's only ever moved by justice and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. He's only ever moved by right. So if you're looking from the world's perspective, you know what the world says? The world says about itself, I'm good. It says about the devil, he's destructive. And it says about God, he's troublesome. If you're looking from the enemy's perspective, he says, I'm good. The world is troublesome. And God is destructive. Okay? If you're looking from God's perspective, he says, hey, I'm good. The world is trouble. The enemy is destructive. Are you clear? What should I expect from God? Good. Always. Relentless expectation of good. Why? Because he's always good. And he never changes. And he cannot be other than good. <laughs> sometimes I feel like, sometimes you go, yeah. Sometimes it's mm, not so sure about that. I feel like I have to press this point home. God cannot be unfaithful. He'd have to deny himself. He is loving and faithful to all he has made, the Bible says. Why? Because they deserve it? No, because he can't change. Psalm 116. What should I render to the Lord for all his goodness to me? What can I give the Lord in return for his goodness? It's a great question and a logical question for those who've tasted his goodness. How do I respond to this? Perhaps one of the best gifts that we can give the Lord is is eyes that look to him with a relentless expectation of good despite the circumstances we're currently in. Sometimes circumstances are beautiful and sometimes circumstances are brutal. And we have to learn to measure the nature of God not by the current circumstances we're feeling, but by who he is. So I cannot let my circumstances define my theology. Because if I let my circumstances define my theology, I have a very volatile God. Comes and goes, he's here and then gone. He answers prayer, then he ignores. Because he, my circumstances are like that. But my God never changes. And if I want to learn how to live peace and full of joy and full of hope in the middle of circumstances that are doing this, then I have to do what David said. I would have perished 
if I didn't have this relentless expectation of good from God. This morning would have been a success if some, somewhere deep inside of you, you settle and make a decision. I'm going to look at my God with eyes of expectation of good. And we want to close this series, sermon, by praying for an expectation of good and for manifestation of his goodness in the circumstances of your life. I will yet see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to see God's goodness. Now Cheryl contacted me when she heard about this message. She said, I have a testimony about the goodness of God. And so we've, we've got a, a video testimony of Cheryl sharing that. And uh, I want you to listen in to that. But when, when that's finished, I've asked Cheryl and Michelle to come join me. And we're going to pray for some people. Because I know there's some people who are really in tough times. And I don't want to be uh, oblivious to that fact. Um, but let's watch this. Hi, my name is Cheryl Fugel, and today I'm going to share about my journey in coming to a deep and personal belief about God's goodness in my life. This has been the greatest struggle in my faith journey, but it has also been one of the greatest victories. When reflecting on my life, I can honestly say that my 20s were such a fantastic decade. Life was good and it was really easy to believe that God was good. Things took a bit of a turn when I hit my early 30s and I began to experience just a whole series of significant losses and disappointments. It started with the loss of my mother and just one week after her passing, our first baby was stillborn. This time and season and the years to follow were very painful for me and I really struggled in my belief about God's goodness. It was during this time that Greg Haswell preached some outstanding sermons about God's goodness. While I knew that what Greg said was true, I had a really hard time reconciling in my head and in my heart that if God was really this good, then why was I not really experiencing his goodness in my life? I wrestled with these thoughts for quite some time until one day I decided to just take it to God directly and ask him. So I asked him, I said, God, if you are truly good, then why do you choose to not be good? to me? His response was simple and he asked this question and said, Cheryl, do you believe that I am the same God yesterday, today and tomorrow? My response was without hesitation a resounding yes, as that is biblical and it's a core belief of mine. So his follow-up question was then this, so, if you believe that I am the same God as I was when your life was going well and it was easy to believe that I was good, then what's changed? In that moment, I realized that I had been using my external circumstances as a measuring stick for God's goodness. I mean, how could this be? How could I be measuring the character of God with my circumstances. 
I decided to then repent, which means that I made a very clear and conscious decision to change my way of thinking and my heart's attitude about God's goodness. It was in that moment that I chose to believe that God is good, regardless of what life may bring. It was truly a watershed moment for me and it radically transformed my life. Since then, even though I have experienced some difficult life events, my perspective of them has changed. I have chosen to believe that God sees the big picture of my life. It is in every detail and working things for my good, even though I may not understand things at the time. Through this, I have experienced an inexplicable hope and peace and even joy through some really difficult and traumatic seasons. Through my experience, I have come to appreciate how fundamental it is to have a good belief about God's goodness in our lives. I'm convinced of this. When we choose to believe that God is good, we lay down the bedrock upon which a sustaining hope, peace, and joy is based. And it paves the way for us to experience in all seasons of our life, that abundant life that Jesus came to offer us. And this abundant life, my friends, is honestly one of the greatest gifts that we could ever receive. Amen. It's so much better when somebody's walked it uh, to hear it from her. That was a lovely testimony. Thanks. I know there's some people um, in tough circumstances. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe somebody else has hurt you. Maybe you've failed yourself. Maybe even you think God has failed you. Maybe you're facing some dire consequences. Maybe you haven't had uh, a longing fulfilled. Maybe you're struggling with depression. Maybe you're facing a future that you never planned for. you hopeless in an outlook as you look forward. I don't really know what your particular set of circumstances is, but in just a little moment, we're going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray together. We're going to ask the Lord to manifest His goodness in the circumstances around you. But I'm pretty certain that as you stand, the Lord is going to whisper to you something about His heart for you and His dream for your life. And you don't have to do much. I just want to dare you that when He whispers to you, that you go, yes, I believe. And Cheryl spoke about a choice making a choice to believe. And maybe some of you, especially those who are hurting the most, are going to need to make that choice because I'm not sure you're going to feel emotionally like this is the moment. But I'm telling you there's a watershed moment for you today in this place. There's a turnaround that God wants to do. I want you to just focus us on what Russell had shared some. But during the prayer meeting, the Lord was so focused on, on what he was doing here this morning. 
and he spoke about removing some of the obstacles that can stop us from believing that God is good. And many times those are just very dire circumstances. Greg spoke of Psalm 27 where David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I was reminded of a time in our own lives where we suffered very deep loss. And it was in that moment where it felt like the Lord kind of tattooed on my spirit, I will always be faithful to you. And that could not be removed. And that didn't mean that everything was amazing every year after that, but, but the Lord tattooed that on my spirit in, in the same way that he, he did for Cheryl. And, and I just felt like just the Lord's compassion, number one, for people here that feel like you've lost heart. Maybe you are one of those that just feels like I've lost heart. And I think we can all identify in, with that. But I just felt like the Holy Spirit wants to imprint on our spirits. He wants to tattoo on us whether we're in an amazing season or a very difficult season or a, a long waiting season, I feel like the Holy Spirit, if we will allow Him, will come and tattoo that on your spirit, that He is always good and always faithful. And I believe that He's going to uproot some things this morning, and Greg will, will pray for us in a little bit, but I also feel like He's going to root, just plant those roots in our spirit if we will say, God, I'm trusting you. I might not be feeling this, I might not be seeing it, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to plant that so deep in the soil that regardless of what storms come, we will never be uprooted again to believe that God is, is not good. And, and this is not dependent on what we see, it's dependent on what we know. It's not dependent on what we see, it's dependent on what we believe. So I feel like that is what the Lord is going to do. And I just want to say to you again, He sees you. He's yeah. with you in whatever season you are. And I just felt, as I was saying, I know the Lord's spoken about giving us authority to, to change seasons. Yeah. And so I feel like when we, when we pray, we would love to just declare a change of season. Yeah. Where the, where that, because winter's never forever. Yeah. But I feel like there, God does give us an authority in the Spirit to say this season needs to change now. So if, uh, if that's you and you know you, you'd like some prayer, we're gonna, Cheryl's going to pray a prayer. I wanted Cheryl up here because she's seen some victory, and we're going to ask Cheryl to pray a prayer over you and just break some, uh, some of the despondency off. And I'd like to pray a prayer that God would rip up any roots of bitterness or unbelief or anything else that the enemy's managed to sow. And then Michelle's going to pray for a change of season. Is that good? So if you want to be one of those people, won't you stand, please, right, right where you are. And the people around you are just going to gently put their hands on you and... Oh, we're just going to agree together that God would give us a breakthrough. Our eyes are, you, are on you, Lord, and give us a breakthrough. You know, one thing that I believe is that the enemy will do absolutely everything he can to keep us from believing that God wants to be good to us. Because I think that he understands very often better than us how powerful it is when we believe that God wants to be good to us. But God is here today and wanting to just break those lies and wanting to just break chains that are deep within our hearts that will keep us from believing in His goodness. So let's just pray. Father, we just want to declare Your goodness, and we just want to thank You that You are the same God. You do not change, and that You, have, you see the big picture of our lives, and You are working all things for our good, even we, when we do not see it. I pray for every person here today and those listening in, that they will choose to settle in their hearts that you're good, regardless of what may be happening in their lives. 
Father, we just pray that you will uproot every lie within hearts and break every chain that keeps us from believing that you are good. And I pray that through this, we truly will just lay down that bedrock that will help us experience your joy and your peace and your hope in every circumstance of our life so that we as individuals and we as a church can truly experience that abundant life that you came to give us. Thank you. Father, we pray for an uprooting of bitterness and of brokenness and of unbelief, Lord, and, and of pain, Lord, and, and disappointment. And, uh, Lord, uh, hopes that have been dashed and, and betrayals that have been made. I just, Lord, I just, I just pray by your Spirit you just uproot all of that, Lord. Pull it out by the root, Lord, and break, it, uh, break its hold over these people, Lord. Hopelessness, we break it off, Lord. Bitterness, we break it off. We pull it out and we, we break its hold over your people, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that right in this moment, Lord, supernaturally, somehow you would just reach in, Lord, and remove everything that is a hindrance to us. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've prophetically said that I'm giving you authority to declare change of season. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that, that you honor that, Lord. And so we declare seasons of barrenness now to become seasons of fruitfulness. Amen. Seasons of lack to become seasons of provision. Yes. Seasons of depression to become seasons yes. of joy. Come on, break through. Father, we speak healing, Lord, Jesus. where there's been sickness. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Father, we yeah. thank you for the many, many, many testimonies, Lord, that we have that have declared changes of seasons. Yeah. We heard one today. We thank you, Father, for the testimonies of provision, Lord. Thank you. And Lord, I just declare, Father, over those that have been in a long winter, Father, I now thank you for springtime. I thank you for the little buds on the trees starting to manifest, Lord. And Father, we declare that we will be a people who see your goodness in the land of the living. Lord, I thank you, Father, for this, this week, Lord. Lord, I release your goodness to manifest over your people, that you would give us eyes to see, Lord what you are doing. We thank you, Father, that right now, Lord, you are planting roots of your goodness in the soil of our hearts. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, that follows us all the days of our life. And we thank you, Lord, for seasons to begin to change now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to, amen, thank you. We're going to close this meeting with a declaration from that song about the goodness of God. And I just want to encourage you again to just, I dare you. Uh, it's Christmas season, so I triple dog dare you to, um, to look at the Lord as we sing in the song and say, Lord, I'm expecting goodness from you. I'm believing for your goodness to manifest in my life. Let's worship together.